0: The All Black Podcast is powered by our official cloud software partner, SAP, helping our teams in black become the best run teams in sport. To listen to this
1: episode and all the All Black Podcasts, subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere you get your podcasts.
0: Here we go.
1: Can he make you? You get this is the All Blacks Podcast. Kia welcome to episode 7 of the All Black Podcast Powered by SAP. World Cup 7s start tomorrow for All Black 7s, Blackford 7sides in Cape Town, South Africa. So what better man to get on the pod, Talk 7s, seven, 7s veteran Carltonana, Tanana. Katie, how good is your gig these days? Because I'm pretty sure I saw you at the All Blacks test in the weekend in the Tron. Now I speak to you via Zoom. You're in South Africa, <laughs> COVID's in the rearview mirror, KT's racking up the air miles again. Is this true, brother? <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh yeah, hey, hey, we're an economy class so at it. I'll be honest, but uh, the back's wrecked. But no, nah, I mean honestly, um, it's really cool to be able to to to, to, to be able to be sidelined and do the All Blacks, see an awesome win, especially in those conditions, and then come over here and, and be in South Africa and be amongst the World Cup. You know, so it's a mean vibe over here in Cape Town at the moment. And um, we think we're nuts at, uh, at supporting our teams with the South Africans, man, they love it. They're absolutely crazy for, for rugby. So it's going to be an awesome weekend. Looking forward to it.
1: Man, it was it was a good game of footy in the weekend, wasn't it? The boys performed well. You've probably mm. been able to have a, a bit of a chat to some of the Sur- South African fans over there about that. But that's what I want to ask you. You are in Cape Town now. The Blitz Box they they won the Com Games. They were awesome in the final. So, is there a bit of atmosphere there? They're pretty excited to try and go and take the the World Cup Sevens title, you know, off the All Black Sevens side.
0: Yeah, 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 and then um. Uh, here at Cape Town, you know, they, they really do it proper. They, they really do, even like um, in the normal series, they really pick out um, the stadium. Um, and this weekend's already been sold out for a very long time, you know. So it's, um, the, the hype that they put into it's actually quite massive. And like I said, the South Africans, they just love code, whether <laughs> it be 7s or 15s. And um, they love the All Blacks down yeah. here too, and they keep massive, massive support systems uh, down here. And I think actually the South African Raving Union didn't play um, an All Blacks test here because for a long time uh, because of the massive support that the All Blacks get here so yeah um, it's, yeah, we, we get massive support here and um, and then you know it really feels comfortable in the home so um, yeah I think this, the home team obviously is going to get massive support but the All Blacks also are probably the second I'll be honest
1: it's an amazing thing, a South African rugby player, isn't it? It doesn't matter seem to be how big they breed them, they still do, seem to be able to run really, really fast. I don't know what's in the meat or the briar or the, you know, this, what's going on over there, but I, I, I need a bit of that or I needed it 20 years ago anyway.
0: <laughs> I'll tell you, we went to a briar last night and um, yeah, they're like, you shake dudes' hands over here and they just envelop you. Like, oh, yeah, just awesome. But yeah, they're massive people, man. They're just big, big units. So, um, like I said, they, they live and breathe um, code, so they, they they just love it. They're, they're really welcoming people, so it's
1: awesome. Mate, it's awesome. Look, a little bit of a warm-up, mate. You're getting on now like me, so we don't want to get into things you know, too quickly. <laughs> <laughs> Firstly, I want to throw at you, is Eric Rush the karmata of New Zealand 7s? And also, is he the best after-dinner speaker in New Zealand? Because I heard him on Friday, and he absolutely bought the house down at a function I was at.
0: Yeah, they're all lies too. Quite the way, story. those stories. He's made he's made too so much money out uh, uh, taking the piss out of people, and they're all they're all lies. So, um, nah, he's the man. Rushy's the man. Like, um, him and Titch really laid the platform for what's um, gone ahead. Um, you know, the whole ethos around the sevens and, and, and the um and, and the mentality and um those two guys together were so successful. It was, it was an honour to be a part of. And Rushy, for me, is probably the best captain. Um, I've ever been associated with. He was a guy that was able to make you or make a lot of players probably play above the level than they thought they could reach, you know. So it was that type of guy. Who, he didn't rah-rah too much, yeah. but he knew what to say to different people. And I think that was a real secret of his, um, of his captaincy. And um, when he did speak, he really took notice of it. And um, You know, he, he was a guy, along with Waisalas River that really put sevens on a global stage. And um, it's really awesome that his son gets to be a part of the sevens now. Uh, for the last couple of seasons, and gets to come to a world cup, so um, I'm really stoked for, for, for Rashi and his family. And and, and the things I learned off him, I, I used as well in, in terms of my captaincy as, as a player and that hard work ethic and, and whatnot. So, um, yeah, yeah like I say, he, he really laid the platform in terms of uh on the field, but also off the field. There's one thing I really took um, from him as well. Like, we used to do functions, um, we went to places such as Hong Kong as an example, and yeah, he, he would have the ability to, to to take the mickey out of players, but also um, create an environment that they could be themselves and, and be comfortable and talk at these um, after dinner speeches and whatnot. So, yeah, he's uh, he's the man in terms of that.
1: Mate, absolutely. And you, you talked a little bit about him there, but everyone's got a Titch story. Have you got a best Gordon Titchin story? <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, man, there's so many. Um
1: oh,
0: oh, I'll, I'll, yeah, probably the one that sticks out here, and Titch actually talks about this, my first um, experience in the, in the New Zealand camp, so I was at a um, Prince of Wales uh, Cup was just, um, a, a Māori all-black trial, so we did that you know, on the shore, and uh, I got caught in uh, the day after to, to, to go to the sevens camp, but um, when I was with the Maldives trials, we uh, proceeded to go out, you know, we got named the Maldives, so we went out and had a good time and finished about three or four o'clock in the morning, we had the front about eight o'clock the next day, so... All the uh, boys such as Dallas Seymour and, and Rushy and that said, hey, mate, you better just calm it down a little bit. We've got training tomorrow, fitness testing. ah, are young, ah, confront up, no worries. So we, we did all these fitness testing. But, ah, got through it. That's not so bad. What are you talking about? And then we proceeded to go out to training for three hours after that, and that's when it really uh, got me. And um, obviously being a new guy, Titch pushes you quite a bit. And um, so – he had a game versus production. He called the death, so we played this game of death, and, and, uh, and it was just full field touch, pretty much. And uh, being a young guy, you know, he had to push, he had to push. So we had a we had the half time, and we uh, we had a talk. And honestly, I could feel everything starting to come up. So I was <laughs> like, "Oh mate, stop this!" I bolted, uh, vomited, looked up, and there's Christian Cullen just sitting in the car. He just made the All Blacks just shaking his head, <laughs> "Mate, mate, no good, no good, <laughs> mate." So yeah, t- Titchens was the the first one to make me. Uh, Make me do that in, the, in my training, but to be honest, um still they got uh, part of that environment, loved it and uh, loved love hurt, so you gotta be a bit nuts to play sevens, but um if you can do it, why not?
1: Oh, absolutely. Mate, if you if you didn't end up being a pro rugby player, what would you have you been? What have what have, what would have KT you've been? Uh superhero? <laughs> Which one? <laughs>
0: Which one? <laughs> a cat catwoman. No. Um... <coughs> That's my dress-up. Uh, honestly, like um, I, I think um, I would have loved to be in a builder, but I, I work too hard, so I'd, um, I'd love to build my own house. But um, no, I, I just think, for me, um, broadcasting is something that um, I really fell into and loved and tried to coach and stuff and still do a little bit now. But, uh, yeah, no, that wasn't for me. So I think just uh, broadcasting has always been in the blood. And um, for me, it's just... Uh, good way of giving back to the game that I love so it's, um, I think it's just in a natural fit and like enough to like you say go be at the sideline of, a, of an All Blacks test and then come over here and cover this stuff so um, like you, when you get that sort of buzz of doing these sort of things that we get to do and talk to the people we get to talk to it's just really cool so uh, yeah I think it's just uh, yeah, broadcaster all day
1: Oh mate, it must be awesome for you. You do a great job, and also it's probably a great way to connect with all these different people. That whether it be through sevens, your Super Rugby career, um, you know, there's all these great friendships that you're probably able to to spark up again and, and catch up with people of Africa, LA, all these different parts of the world you go to. It's pretty cool.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and um, we just talked about that at breakfast. Actually, I'm um, just sitting with the guy Gareth Reese, who's in the Hall of Fame, played for Canada and <clears throat> played about five World Cups and whatnot, and. Um, he said last time he was here it was 95 World Cup, and, oh, and he's wow. catching up with a few mates. So it's, it's that sort of thing, you know, where you go around and yeah, you're right, and you make these connections with people, whether you played against them or just just meet people uh, doing the things that we get to do. So it's um, a lot of people open up their homes to, to you, and it's just really cool to be able to just talk to people and sit and and uh, reminisce or, or just talk about things. It doesn't have to necessarily be rugby. That's the that's the vehicle that's got us here, but um, I think that's, the, the like you say, the, the cool connections that you meet. Um, a lot of good people around the world and, and if they come to New Zealand do exactly the same open up your house and, and, and heart to them so, so no really cool opportunities
1: mate awesome community three guests come to your place for dinner who would they be mate any three and what's KT cooking
0: <coughs> yeah no I'm getting Chef Ramsay I, I love <laughs> Chef Ramsay so he's cooking for sure um, <clears throat> I love his Blanc say Health Kitchen he's crack up um, yeah Chef Ramsay's one I think um, Dave Chappelle I love my comedy so yes. uh I watched a lot of Dave Chappelle, he's the man, like the um, way he looks at things and talks, he's he's, he's a cracker. <clears throat> and uh, the first, third one, i suppose Michael Jordan. I've always been inspired by him, but um, after seeing The Last Dance, and you got to hear some of those stories, so it would be quite oh, cool to, to hear some of those uh, things that went on and obviously why he was the man.
1: Yeah, you'd love to dig into a bit of that stuff a little bit more, wouldn't you? And what are you cooking, mate? When you got that's a pretty eclectic group of people you could make you could make Ramsey cook, I suppose, or, or what would you <laughs> what would you yeah, chuck on? I, there? I, I,
0: I, I, I dabble quite a bit. I cook quite a lot when I'm at home. Um so geez, especially oh, with Chef Ramsey, there's a bit of pressure. Uh, you have to do something quite uh, New Zealand, right? I think uh those sort of people, so it's, it's gotta be white beef fritters or something and yeah, power a crayfish. Yep. They will barbecue, that's always easy. Can't no. can't wreck that too bad.
1: Great shout. Now, mate, you're there for the the World Cup Sevens. Yeah, we're very fortunate, the the All Black Sevens, the Black Sevens defending champions. But what's your memories, mate? You were lucky enough to be um, on the World Sevens circuit for a long time. You went to World Cup Sevens tournaments. Like even I know for myself as a as a teenager, like staying up late, watching Hong Kong Sevens and why Sali yeah. and Dallas Seymour and Eric Rush and all those sort of guys was my first memories. Then it was you and your crew came through with, you know, Cully and and all these guys. Mm. Like, what's your fondest memories, mate? Whether it be you know wins, losses, and everything in between.
0: Yeah, well, my first um, my first tournament in a black jersey uh, proper uh, was Hong Kong. Actually, the, the World Cup there. I think '97, um, and I was the same like you. Like they only broadcast Hong Kong and two o'clock in the morning. You get up there and watch that and seeing the likes of Waisade, Serevi, and Hong Kong's sort of like um, like a Wimbledon, right? It's got that yeah. history and uniqueness, so as soon as you walk out onto that stadium, man, it's like, a uh, really hits And uh, for me, that's always going to be my favourite tournament. So many fond memories, lucky enough to win there uh, three or four times, and, and for it to be my first tournament in a Black at the World Cup, um, you know, I've always, for me, had, had a special place in my heart, so um, just running out for the first time and, and hearing 40,000 people is the biggest Amount um, of people I've ever played in front of um, early on in my career, and just just having the whole experience of Hong Kong. And uh, like I say, we, we'll go train, but then we'll go do um go to the, do these these, these um, speeches and, and functions, and go to the New Zealand consulate and, and mix and mingle and meet people we normally mix with. But it was just really really cool. And as a young teenager um, experiencing that and, and on a next level, it was just really, really awesome to see and just watching the older players such as Seymour and Rushy and how they mixed with people, how they spoke to people, uh, how they, how they um, got us young guys involved and got us out of our um, little corner and forced us to, to talk to, to a lot of different levels of people, whether it be a consulate or um, or just a normal fan. Normal it, was, it was really, really awesome. Massive learning curves and then you had to actually play some footy at the end of the day.
1: Well, that's it, mate. And like, it's... It's oh, I've been fortunate enough to go along to a couple of Hong Kong Sevens, and it's it almost really is the spiritual home of Sevens, isn't it? Because it's that tournament's always it's got the most nostalgia around it, and for people who haven't been, uh, and it's changing a little bit, but it is an expatriate melting pot, isn't it? Like whatever team is playing there, didn't matter whether it was it was New Zealand, obviously. New Zealand playing Fiji was a big occasion, of course, but but there's heaps yeah. of Aussies there, there are heaps of Poms there, there's heaps of French people there. You know, like didn't matter what team we're playing, they had a support, and and it's it's humidity's high, the temperature's high, but um, you know, there's just an atmosphere that that place creates, doesn't it? Yeah,
0: yeah, especially the way the stadium's set up, it's right yeah. on top of you, you know, so it, it's um really envelops and like you say, everyone get, gets gets massive support. system. they love an underdog, as you'd expect, but um, um, yeah, no, like. Fiji and New Zealand is where our uh, middle legends are made, you know. So to be able to be on that stage and add a little story to it was, was, was really cool. And I know from uh, experience that you were in the South Stand, weren't you? you got out of one piece.
1: <laughs> I didn't get I didn't get out in one piece, to be honest, mate. I got out, but <laughs> but, uh, but not in one piece. But um, yeah, there's just. <laughs> it's one of those things you got to go to experience it, and and even just um, just Hong Kong, like just Hong Kong and the yeah. um. It comes alive at night doesn't it and it was it was just a wonderful rugby experience and and like a real cross-section of people there's like you say there was there's corporate people there's people traveled in who are english teachers from different parts of asia there was kiwis going over on a holiday there was it was just it's an unbelievable experience and and um i think one sevens experience that needs to be done if it's if it's only one that you do
0: yeah and, and the thing is too like like um, you get there, we, we always get there early as broadcasters, but you get there at like eight, nine o'clock, and the south stands full, you know? Yeah, <laughs> eight <laughs> yeah, o'clock in the yeah. morning. It's just no, that totally. it was the original party, right? Like, yep. you know, you had the ads in between the game, they had all these cool ads and music, and everyone would get up and dance. And yeah, um, that's where I really laid, I think, the platform for what the series seven series is now.
1: And it's like you probably look right now and think, geez, you ran out with Jonah, ran out with Cully, like, ran out, um. Wasali Sarebi, like some of the great names of the sport, you must look back now and think, that was awesome. You know, like to, to grace the field with those guys, particularly too, it wasn't 15s, it was sevens. So those guys could really express themselves and show their skills even more so than perhaps what they could on the 15s field.
0: Yeah, and the cool thing um, back then, because I, I grew up uh, playing all age grade with Cully and, and Jonah and stuff, and um, me and Cully are like really good mates. And uh, he even says, like, if... If the money was the same as he got as an All Black. He would have played sevens all day yeah. long. You know that, that, yeah. that's that's where he uh, really come to to uh, the world stage. Both of them, hey, to be fair, and um, their, their exploits in the Hong Kong. And um, yeah, it's just really really awesome to hear a guy who's got so much standing and was so awesome at an All Black level say that that um, he really loved the, the environment of, of the sevens and and the freedom that he got. And uh, the cool thing is, we always um, projected that like guys might go away from the team, team but they're always welcome back and that's why those guys um, if they could would always come back to a Hong Kong or a Wellington uh, Sevens or if they're over in Europe they play for the Barbarians I remember one time we are up there and Jonah played for the Barbarians and Twickenham on the Saturday and they come over and play for us um, <clears throat> and on the Sunday um, at the Sevens you know it was, it was that type of um, family feel and, and those guys were just treated normally they weren't treated as superstars and I think that's what they really really liked just being one of the boys and be able to chill out and and
1: um, just be themselves. Mate, awesome. Mate, random story that's popped up um, this week sort of as we prepare for the World Cup 7s and you were a part of it back in 2001. Benjamin Bono, who uh, became a part of the, the All Blacks Sevens squad in that 2000 World Cup side, like, how did that come about, mate? I'll let you tell the story because I had a look over it today on allblacks.com and I was like, this, how does this happen? Or like, how how is this ever the process? You know, it's, it's crazy. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, what a cool story for him, though, like the oh. World Cup winner, Benjamin. he mate, mate, he, he could
1: so, um, he could match Rushy and in, in Uruguay probably for the for the after dinner speaking with that yarn anyway. But I'll let you talk about how it came about.
0: Yeah. yeah no, we uh we had a couple of injuries. We lost Rushy on day two, um, so already manned down. And um, don't have the extensive squads like they um, do now. So we only had um, I think we only had twelve travelling. So you picked ten, and uh, Rushy went down. So we uh, we got uh, Rodney Soileau come in, and then um, we had a couple more injuries on the day three. So um, what used to happen, they used to have a pool of players at each tournament uh, that you could choose from. And um, one of the guys used to host us, um, his head was the president, actually, of uh, Uruguay. So he was a mad rugby man. Um, so Titch went to him and said, look, who, who out of all these players is halfway decent? So he, this guy, uh, Pedro, he picked, um, he picked Benjamin Bono to, to, to come in. So Benjamin come in for the, for the, for the final. He's in the changing room. Um he looked like a two year old kid. He was uh, <laughs> absolutely packing himself, the poor dude. But you know, when you got Jonah there warming uh, up and absolutely. what had happened what had happened, like um we have our jerseys up on up around the um up around our changing room and we're sharing it with the Russians because they played before us in a minor minor game. So we we left the change rooms, went to warm up, came back, and someone had pinched Jonah's jersey. So Jonah was angry, it was like, punching him oh, He, he who's taking my jersey, Roscoe. So he was he was mad as heck. And then you got four old Benjamin sitting next to him going, what, what's, whoa, whoa, what's going whoa. on? He was next, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. The big, big Jonas punching the concrete wall, and uh, Benjamin <laughs> was just sitting there didn't want to say boo, Dudley Scott. I mean, probably hardly speak English anyway. But I mean, like to go with that sort of intimidating situation and in the World Cup final with the big fella throwing hands. It was, um, wow. it was uh, you know, like to say he's uh, probably got some stories for life. But just reading, I was with you. I was just reading his story on um, All and how he's doing now, and it's really cool that he's given his, his World Cup kit to his um yeah. his club and stuff and um man like, like I say what a massive story to tell, to tell the boys down at the RSA.
1: Oh mate, that is yeah that is he's he's told that one many a <laughs> times with probably multiple <laughs> versions uh, I would say. I want to um hasn't paid for a beer <laughs> since, or has <laughs> not paid for a beer at a rugby club <laughs> since. Um, I want to talk a little bit about Titch. Like he's such an iconic person with his sevens, but like when you when you have a look a bit. Have a bit of a look at your time and and the players you played with and and the series as it was developing. One thing that just becomes clearly obvious is that Titch was ahead of his time. Like when you hear some of the stories around you boys talking about you know how he pushed the diet size onto you, but it, but it wasn't you didn't have a dietitian with you, you didn't have a specialist. It, it was him. You know how you know the fitness that has become so famous, but he didn't have a strength and conditioning person or a trainer. It was Titch. You know like and even that sort of stuff. While he was awesome at identifying talent like Cully and that, bringing them in, creating a platform, and then, you know, was happy to send them on their way to, to the big stage for the All Blacks, mm-hmm. and which was one of the one of the great things that Titch did for the game. Geez, they must have all arrived in those environments ready to go because because he he was tough and he was ahead of his time, wasn't he?
0: Yeah, and I think the thing um, a lot of those players got from Titch, I spoke about it before with Rushy. Um, Pushing guys to probably limits that they didn't realize they had. And that was the mental side of it. And um, Titch, along with Rush, really created that environment where um, uh, our training's are always going to be harder than, than the games. And, and, and you're right, like, we didn't have the stats, we didn't have the information that you do now around the fitness level. So I think Titch realized early on that um, we're not going to be as fast and as mobile as the Fijians and Saborns and the Tongans, but what we can be is the fittest team for one, and then secondly, the mentally toughest. I think that's what really projected us to be so successful. That, that work ethic and um, yeah, sure we'll, we'll, we'll maybe have to break down teams a lot of the times. So I suppose that's where those 10-minute finals, 10-minute halves, and in the finals really played into our hands. Where yeah, Fiji might be out the gate and get up to a lead, but we know we're going to still be um, humming when it comes to the 20th minute. We'll try and um, we're a lot of times uh, take out teams, take away their strength. Yeah, There'll be big guys, big guys putting them on the deck to make the tie because those extreme fitness levels that, that Titch put us through. And the thing that really stands out for me with Titch was like, he would physically hammer you. But it was the mind games, like this is the last one, this is the last one, this is the last <laughs> one. and went for the last one for another half an hour, you know? So it was like, you know, to I'm thinking back, just have that mental ability to get up, again, get up and just go again, get up and just go again, get up and just go again. And I think that's why he was so successful. And, um like you say, a real trailblazer, and he laid the platform of what the, what has sort of turned out to be now in terms of um, um, the, the training training for a lot of sides. A, a lot of teams mimicked us, but they couldn't really um, because of tits, couldn't really uh, get that. I don't know how you put it, not quality, but just 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 that um, just that extra edge. A,
1: that,
0: yeah, that, yeah, the extra edge that um, you needed at training to, to really break it. So you break it down and rebuild it pretty much.
1: And also, too, it made his players end up being pretty cunning, didn't it? I think I've heard you tell a story where, uh, you know, if you wanted to get some, just treat yourself every now and again when Titch wasn't looking, with a bit of fast food, you had to wait till he we went through customs. Is this true?
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it is true. And I don't know, i still still, we're still trying to figure out. So we waited for him to go through customs, right? So you got to do your passport, he goes to security. How the hell he got back out, I don't know. That's the thing. So we waited for him to go through. We had Craig the Goldie as our lookout, and then just one minute, Goldie was there, next minute he just bolted. I've never seen so many people who don't like getting their wallets out, like leave all this McDonald's there at the table and just like scatter. It was unreal.
1: <laughs> That's the power <laughs> of touch. The man can even get back through customs to check on the boys having Meccas. Not good. even the Prime Minister can do that, for ages. <laughs> Mate, I wanted, I don't know if you were still in the team or not, but I needed you to, um, you know, talk to a tale I've heard a few times. I've even heard um, the man tell it himself, like Tanareo Latimer, great sevens player. Um, and the rumour was that, you know, of all the players out there, one that he couldn't break, one that Titch couldn't break, was Lats. Is this true? Like, is this a true story? That seems it seems near impossible there couldn't be someone Titch couldn't break. Yeah, no, Latz is talking bullpucket. Right? <laughs> he, he snapped for sure. He snapped for sure. No, no, but that, 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 that was a whole ethos,
0: like, don't let him break you when you're absolutely smashed and yeah. Um, it's got a buzz out of it, you know, like uh, um, snappy people, like I said before, like he snapped me on day one, um, uh, with my training. But um, once again, it's that mental toughness, and and probably a reason why so many guys have gone through the sevens program and got their all black jersey, you know. I mean, um,
1: yeah,
0: I think it, it would have been close to 50 guys that have gone yeah. through that that sevens program, and and now we're seeing the likes of Akita and Rico Yoani and yeah. all those dudes, you know, even to this day. Like, I think the learnings that you get, like being on tour, say, here in South Africa, being um, playing in front of 40,000 South Africans at, at a place like Cape Town is quite intimidating um, but you learn that you learn the, the ethos of training ethic um, the, what we were saying before like the nutritional side of it so there's, there's so many positives um, from the CELUS programme and the and, and ability to be able to translate that and, and go to the 15s uh, and get your full jersey test cap as me.
1: Mate absolutely let's talk a little bit about the tournament firstly we've had the Com Games it's, it's actually been a, a big year for significant events on the Sevens Tour and, and awesome that it's it's basically back up and running, you know, after heaps of disruption with COVID, like the, the boys are back on the plane and, and, and as are the girls. What do you see at the comms games for both the Black Ferns and the All Black Sevens teams? Like, um, are we in good nick as we've gone through LA and now into the World Cup?
0: Yeah, I think the thing that really stood out for mine with both teams, you know, awesome, awesome to get a bronze, but both teams are disappointed with it. Yep. And they both had opportunities to probably... Um, progress further in the tournament so I think um, you know uh, we always mentioned if we lost the game um, we'd be in the changing room just saying just remember this fairly and I think that's the thing I got out of the con Games both of those squads were bitterly disappointed even talking to them um, afterwards they were still pretty broken about it so that's been in the back of their minds and um, you know we saw both squads uh, in particular like they, we, because we're in lockdown New Zealand um you know, a lot of the other teams played four or five tournaments before we got back into the into the series proper so we're playing a lot of catch-up uh still um but i think now just the way after the boys performed in particular at los angeles that um that, that's found their groove back again you know and i think they probably peaked at the right time and um i don't know uh, just being around the, the woman as well that um you know they're a pretty determined bunch and Talk about big gear. They've got a lot of them. Are going to be playing this this weekend yeah. and go straight back into the Blackburns and play at home pretty soon, which is which is exciting for them. But um, you know, they, they they I think they've been really fixed on a the Commonwealth Games peaking and then not having long and having to peak again for a, for a World Cup. So um, that's that mental toughness that we speak about. But I think our squads are in, in a pretty good um, shape at the moment. So it'll be, be interesting to see. if Hopefully, they can translate that onto the park.
1: Mate, let's talk a little bit about the format. It's a little bit different to you know what we normally tune into for a sevens. Is it is it a knockout format? Is it twenty four teams in the men's, sixteen um, in the girls side of it? Like it's a bit different, isn't it?
0: Yeah, and, I, and um, i was just with um, in lunch with some of the world rugby people. You said I think that's what keeps it fresh. It's not yeah, it's very different from a world seven series. So it's not same same. And like you say, when you're playing a one off game, you have to win your first game, otherwise, you're gone. So, I think it just once again has that edge and has that difference. And I think, um, the players really respond to that because they know and that's uh, why you're probably the reason you love and hate the game of sevens. If you're not on, if you're one percent off and your opposition's on, it's such a short time that sometimes you can't recover. And, um, if the call doesn't go your way or, or whatever, um, you know, it's very hard to to, to to get back. So, it's such a leveler, and I think that's the exciting part of sevens, and I think that's why, um, this weekend it's sold out every single day because of that exact reason there's teams that aren't normally on the circuit get an opportunity to to run against one of the big teams and imagine if they upset one of the one of the big uh, big sides you know that, that'll be their um they came to fame like a benjamin bono so um it, it's really opportunities i think in terms of sevens that's like a lot of these countries aren't going to be able to compete with the all blacks and the wallabies and that sort of stuff but in sevens you can so it's really exciting for them to get a chance to measure
1: themselves and have a go. Absolutely. And like massive milestone for, you know, one of us, one of our most experienced Black Fern players, Sarah Hirany, plays her 50th tournament, absolute trailblazer. First uh, Black Ferns player to do that. Like like how good really? How cool's that? Because she was right there from day dot, you know, wasn't um, almost new to the game of sevens. And, and here we are today. She's an absolute veteran She's playing her fiftieth tournament, and to your point as well, she's played fifteen. She's been to 15's World Cups as well. Like, um, yeah. you know, an awesome trailblazer for for all sorts of um girls out there who want to put on the jersey and some boots.
0: Yeah, yeah, I remember uh, watching her uh, play for Fielding High School way back uh, <laughs> way back when. obviously, um, obviously she's um or she's older, whatever, or anything, but um I've seen her progress through her whole career, and um she's a top she's a top lady, right? She's a top woman, and um I think the way she's approached the game, the way she plays the game, the way she carries herself um, is, is a reason why she's been so successful. You know, she's one of the hardest workers. And even like at the Com games, like she's she still obviously playing at a very high level and still able to get it done. So you can't help but um, follow a play like that, you know, when, when you go out. And um, I, I just really love her leadership. And um, anywhere I see her, she always comes up and says hello, you know, and we have a chat and, and whatnot. And, um, I think that's something that really stands out for me. She's so grounded and uh, such a great person. So it's uh, it's not surprising that she's able to reach these milestones and probably can go for a very uh, long time after this, you know. So um, hopefully, I oh, know no, for sure, she's going she's gonna to leave it all out there for the juicy, as she always does, and um, lead by example. So I'm sure, again, she'll, um, she'll, she'll, she'll be a very successful um, captain and one of our best, not just ladies, but uh, players in, 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 in the landscape of... of um, of New Zealand rugby and world rugby. And, um, you know, I remember when she won the Mori um, Player of the Year. And then I reckon she probably missed out. She probably deserves to have a World Sevens Player of the Year. It's gone to a couple other players. But for me, she's always been the glue that's really been why this um, this woman's uh, Blackburn's uh, black team has been so successful.
1: Feels like there's a few parallels to Rushi, a little bit to, to Sarah. Like yeah. she's, um, you know, she seems to have a great balance, but brings the best out of the players around her, absolutely leads from the front, like she just plays eight or nine out of 10 every single game, just does a whole lot of hard mahi in the games and, and um is sort of the glue that keeps the team on and off the field together. That's what it looks like from where I'm looking anyway.
0: Yeah, 100%, 100% agree, you know, and um, uh, she's got the chat too, she's got a bit of chat like Rushy, she's very uh, <laughs> understated, but she, she, she can talk some jibber-jabber with the best of them, I can promise you. So, um, yeah, no, she, she's a really cool, really cool lady and... um. You know, I just think you're right, there's a lot of parallels with, with her and, and 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 setting up that programme and being successful with Alan Bunting and, and our swings and, and what's going forth. So, um, you know, it's, um, hopefully she's still able to stick around for a lot longer after this.
1: At the other end, uh, at the age scale, Georgia Miller comes in playing her first tournament at 19, and the, the cool thing about that is that, again, just represents the growth in the girls' game. You know, we've got so many good players coming through, so much talent. Um, it's a real growth area. Um, and here's another example of of a young person taking their opportunity, and sh- she might get to to go out uh, this weekend. And like you say, it's it's not just your average sevens tournament; it's a salad every single day, and and pretty much one of the the cauldrons of the sevens game. H- how cool for a young person!
0: Oh yeah, eye opening. You know, even like for her to be here, and I suppose um, being around these, these these teams and being on tour, and what a, a massive opportunity for a blue shark Tyler, Nathan Wong, probably one of our experienced players as well with uh with and, and and our kickoff um our kickoff starter, restarter. So Georgia, yeah, she 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 um she's been on the radar for a little while and um she's obviously um super talented but now she gets an, um, an opportunity to, to, to show her wears and um I know Sweeney's is, um Corey Sweeney's pretty pretty stoked that she's um she's gonna be in here and add something different. You know, a lot of teams yeah. would have wouldn't have had seen much of Georgia. So um, you know, that's I think something mm-hmm that um maybe we need something different, you know, like when you there's always a game that um you struggle with when you come to these big tournaments. And I think someone like Georgia might be the one that be able um show he wears in in a situation like that or um, get a chance. It's definitely get some game time, that's for sure. So um, you know, I can't wait for her to step out on that um on that pitch and, and like you say to be able to run out in front of a, a stadium such as Cape Town and um and, and, and have that uh, sort of um that, 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 that pressure that you love to, to be in in
1: South Africa. I mean, what a moment for her. It'd be cool for her and her farm. Absolutely. And you hit on a good point there. I've heard Clark Laidlaw talk a little bit about it. Like The great thing about bringing in um, young uh, players, X-Factor players, is that they're really hard to scout for the opposition because they haven't been around, people haven't seen them, and they can come in and, and offer something different. I want to talk a little bit about the All Black Sevens. A few old, old dogs coming back in. Sammy Dixon, <laughs> Scott Curry... Dylan Collier, like you say, Brady Rush gets the gets the call up as well. But like um, maybe maybe sometimes we think Sevens is a young man's game, but we're bringing back, um, you know, some real experience. But that's going to benefit us, isn't it? Because, God, the one thing that you really notice when you follow Sevens, watch Sevens, talk to guys about Sevens, God, those, those little moments are huge. A kickoff here, a yellow card there, a... Um, a drop ball here, one bad decision. It's it's not like in a game of fifteens when you got eighty minutes to try and make it up. It is it is massive. So the more you can minimize that stuff and perhaps some of those experienced guys are the guys who can really help with that side of it.
0: Yeah, and, and that's what Sammy Dixon is one of the best um restart recipients in the game, you know. So he, he's huge for us. You can isolate him one on one with an opposition player and let him go up with his AFL background. Scott Curry's another guy. He's very tall and supreme at the lineouts, at the restarts. Got that experience, that you spoke about, ex-former uh, skip. And then you got Dylan Collier, you know, guy's been around for a long time. Just having that, um, I suppose, awareness and solidarity with those three, you know, in the forwards. You can play them in multiple positions. And the one here before, more importantly, I think, in South Africa, and they know how to win um, yeah. in this country, and, and, and to have that sort of experience in a massive tournament, like you say, when it's knockout. Um, is, is, is huge you know and just talking to Henry Paul um, a good mate uh, yesterday we went out and had dinner and, and he's lamenting the fact that he's got all these young guys um, but he knows he needs experience but he just at the moment doesn't have it in a squad yeah. so um, to have guys in our squad that be able to come back and and like I say be successful in, in a place that's hard to win and won World Cups defending champs guys have had that pressure before and um, have been able to peak in these, these, these one-off tournaments I think um, means a lot so um, you know, we're really lucky to be able to fall on guys and pick guys with that much experience, especially after LA where we lost eight guys um, after they uh, won so well. So it's, um, you know, it's really good to be able to do that. So now we're really fortunate.
1: Mate, couple of things. Firstly, before we get KT's picks, which are extremely knowledgeable, um, and, and no doubt you'll get them bang on right. You know, we know we've talked about um, the New Zealand teams. We know Fiji are fantastic. Um, you know, we're used to seeing. Aussie pop up and do well, uh, Samoa, Tonga, etc. Is there anyone outside of that group to keep an eye on? Like, is there, is there any surprise packages out there as some guys? Because, um, you know, every now and again, Sevens seven pops up these teams who can have a day, can't they?
0: Yeah, yeah. Argentina. Argentina's Argentina. Argentina. Yeah. And, yeah. And then, no, they've, they've um, once again, been successful here. Uh, they won a tournament, got two three series, uh, three years ago, I think, uh, just for lockdown, and um, one of these nuggety teams that are hard hard to push away, and um, a good friend, uh, sanchez who's got Cora's coaching him, and um, they just they just got a good mix of young guys and experienced guys, a lot, a lot like New Zealand, and um, I think they're going to be the team that might be um, might sneak up on a lot of players, and they've, they've been knocking over some of the big boys um, for a long long time now. So um, you know, I just saw them beat New Zealand, was it? And... Um, might have been Vancouver, uh, just off my head, and um, that's the. That, that just seeing Santi go through that situation, and uh, they know how to win, um, and beat New Zealand, the best top side. This just, just, and we saw them put the All Blacks once they get that, um, once they get an emotion involved yeah. with them, and they really thrive with it. So that's something I'm sure they'll, they'll uh, try and cut this weekend. On
1: mate, here we go. I won't make you pick the winners in the in the women's and the men's, but I'll make you pick the finalists New Zealand. in both. New Zealand, <laughs> New Zealand are versing which two teams in yeah. the men's and the women's <sighs> final, KT.
0: Yeah, uh, for the women, I think um, I think they go against Fiji. Yeah, I think uh, New Zealand, Fiji final for there. uh for the men. Oh man, oh, it's a toss up. I, I, I re- the Aussies are playing good, eh? they're yeah. playing real good. But I just think at home the Blitzbokker are going to be are going to be the one. So it's a going to be a traditional New Zealand-South Africa final in the men's.
1: I love it. Mate, thank you so much. Good luck this weekend. Look forward to hearing your dulcet tones you know, coming through the broadcast. Uh, go well. And, yeah, I hope very much we see a couple of teams in Blacks in the final and do well. And I um, appreciate this, mate. Um, go enjoy yourself. I know you've got a lot to do, maybe some golf, maybe another feed. I don't know what you've got planned this afternoon, mate. But, um, no, nah, I appreciate this, mate. Awesome.
0: Ah, oh, awesome. Thanks for having me on. I mean, i been waiting for the call-up to get on here. But, uh, finally, <laughs> finally, we made it happen. Thank you.
1: Mate, the floodgates are open now. You'll be you'll be getting a call every month, mate. <laughs> <laughs> oh, awesome. I no, really appreciate choice. Cheers, brother. Talk soon. Cheers, bro. The All Blacks Podcast is powered
0: by our official cloud software partner, SAP. Helping our teams in black be the best run in sports. Hosted by Rob Dunn in the Hargrave Street Studio. Produced by Carl Thompson from Blue and Ginge, the podcast producers. Video editing by Mac Leesberg, graphics by Western Design, content advising from Andy Burt, and commercial manager for the podcast is Valeska Hoth. Follow the All Blacks podcast on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, and anywhere you get your podcasts.